for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's episode 99, y'all. Just one away from our big 100. It's going to be filled with special guests, Hopefully some of your own video shout outs, along with prizes, surprises, and tons of fun. But for tonight's show, the crew are all in the house, and we want to share some of our best elk hunting moments and why they are so memorable. Some aha moments and things that we learned along the way. Some special moments and just some plain old good times. That along with our elk bro shout outs and letters from our elk bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair. Adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas, and from Katy, Texas the co-founder of the Venezuelan Mafia himself, Luis Gonzalez, and from Dallas-Fort Worth area, the other co-founder of the Venezuelan Mafia, Manano <laughs> Santeron, and from Cimarron, New Mexico. Our elk hunting coaches are in the house. Joe Gillia and Leroy the Ninja Chavez. Hey, by the <laughs> way, by the way, I just got to say, I just got to say, I, one of our listeners sent in a letter and said, hey, Luis, you shouldn't be calling yourself the leader of the Venezuelan Mafia. You should be calling yourself the king of the Venezuelan ah, Mafia. The king? <laughs> Who's that guy, man? Yeah, we'll put that on him right now. The, the king? That's what he said. Did you, didn't you guys yeah. read it? You guys got the, the king. That guy. The king. <laughs> he, he always... He obviously hey man, know. Yeah. I thought co-founder was good. Nobody no, going to get the feelings hurt. Are man. you kidding me? I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, I mean, that's what he said. I mean, <laughs> you all kind of interpret it how you want. That's the way I interpret it. Okay. dull moment with these two in the house. The never ending. The never ending. Send me, send me his email address, please. So he said, he said, since you guys are so big and pronounced, oh, no, this is not it. In, in the words of 
twin Lannister, for those of you who listen to Game of Thrones. Anybody who must... GOT on this, man. Are you serious? Yeah. Anybody who must say, I am king, is not king at all. Replace the king with leader. How many times has Luis declared he's the leader? So he's pretty much telling me I should be king. I, that's not what I'm hearing, man. I don't know. No, no. You can interpret it however you want to. That's the way I'm interpreting it. You are, you are saying you're the king all the time. I'm not. I should be the king. No. Look, that's why I said co-founders, boys, because that's what it is. As, as a matter of fact, I'll just put it out there. I'll put it out there to, for everyone to hear. Big old coin the Venezuelan mafia. So at the end of the day, these boys are made men, and it's because of us. That made men in the mafia. I like yeah, that. Yeah, man. man. They yeah. got made. We, so we calling it co-founders. We're gonna find out which one's gonna be the king here before. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they 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 might be uh, the assassins, but we're pulling the strings. See, so exactly. That's, that's How you doing, is, man? That's all it is. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, um, your video, your South Texas style hit oh uh, YouTube, gosh, and it was so cool to see you <clears throat> and uh, and Logan out there together like that. Joe, what you did with that was so special, man. I can't thank you enough. You know, we put a few little videos together for Joe, and then he lights it up with some really cool production stuff. And, you know, I told Logan, go make you famous, son. And uh, <laughs> the South Texas Slam is viral. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, we, uh, we appreciate all the, all the help, Joe, you and, uh, Chav give us on the support side with the, with all of the cinematography and everything that's going on, man. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bro shout, shout out. Shout if you're new to our show, we usually have a few shout outs to cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Yep, yep, and we're gonna we're gonna rock it, man. And you know, uh, I, I want everybody to know, Chav's man has been cranking on this and doing all of our uh, research for this, and really taking a load off, and makes it so much easier getting ready for the show because this takes a lot of work. Chav's really been putting some homework in there. So, our top listening city this week is 20 miles northeast of Denver, and was founded in the 1870s as a stagecoach and railroad depot and farming community. Recently named one of the 100 best communities for young people, and I imagine that's y'all right around that 20 to 30. I don't know. That's, I'm just throwing that out there. It is home to the Murray Mays Mays. <laughs> y'all got that right? The yeah. Murray Mays Mays, Colorado's longest corn maze that is shaped like a bear and two wolves and is four miles of twisting trails across 15 acres of tall corn, right wow. in Brighton, Colorado. Brighton, Colorado. And I would get lost before even getting into the maze. Hey. <laughs> Good and, night. and look, I got to put this out too, man. My, my sister-in-law heard one day, heard, heard our podcast come out, and she goes, Who's doing that mule noise, man, in, in y'all's podcast? Look, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> what are you? It's not y'all. It's not y'all. It's Yeah, I mean, we, we got we to gotta set some people straight, man. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> well, your phonetic ears wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, but this is a guy to know the challenge. difference between king and leader and all that stuff. Yeah, either, man, so. you know, it's 
but he, uh, he went straight to Nonis Targaryen and all that, man. Yeah, and, he went you know, Game of Thrones. Straight great Game of Thrones on us, man. I have no idea what Game of Thrones is, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you guys enjoy it, man. Well, look, I'm gonna tell you right now, <laughs> man. Right, nobody's don't perfect. Know what you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> Show now. Okay, let's, let's proceed. Our next top listening town booms whenever oil prices are high and falls on hard times when oil prices prices drop. It is located in an area of eastern Utah, where vast oil resources extend into western Colorado. It was first settled and plotted by A.C. Harmston. All A.C. wanted to name it Dry Gulch City, but his wife wasn't having any This of is that. perfect for you, Manano, man. This sounds like a familiar <laughs> thing here. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going there, really man. Really familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the name, and convince him to name it after a family friend and the 26th president of the United States. This is going to Roosevelt, Utah. Roosevelt, Utah. Oh, AC. AC wanted to name it Dry Gulch City. Kind of like Bonanno wanting to name his daughter after a a, a doe or a cow. Milk or... Cow. Well, it, it was a big fight. It was a big fight. Was, yeah. a fight. I don't want to be around all, one of them fights. We're uh, all glad uh, Anna won. Uh, all, I, no, all I want to say is Roosevelt, Utah is not Dry Gulch City. So we know, you know, a lot of times. Sometimes a guy feels like they're the head of the household, but we know who turns the head, right? No doubt. You know, we all get the last word in our house. Yes, baby. Yes, baby. That's the last word. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, right. next up, from the land down under, son. Our next top listening city is Australia's third most popular city and the capital of Queensland. It's known for its useful zeal, charming vibe, and 280 days of sunlight a year. All right. The city has countless tourist destinations, among them the Australian Zoo, created by its legendary owner, the former crocodile hunter himself, wow. Eve Irwin. In none other than Brisbane, <laughs> wow. Queensland, Australia. Brisbane, <laughs> Queensland, Australia. Who would have thought, man? That's so cool. Oh, man, that is awesome. Hey, mate. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate you guys, man. We I, appreciate you. And that's one country I do want to visit. Oh, no doubt. I was telling Joe that's one of the countries I have not gotten to go to. But uh, I was hoping when I worked for Santos, a bunch of work for them, uh, that we'd get to go to, to Australia. But they closed shop before we got to go. They have some of the coolest critters in that country, man. I Big time. Yeah. Cool people, too. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank y'all. Okay, up next, uh, this area was the home to many Native American tribes before the settlement by people from the east. The squiggly tree is the city's logo and symbolizes its identity as Wisconsin's park place because of its extensive park system, which includes 64 parks on over 200 or 2,500 acres. Oh. You can visit the historic home where Abraham Lincoln slept, check out the Rock Aqua Jays water ski show team, or help cheer on the, their Janesville Jets hockey team in Janesville, Wisconsin. Oh, man, the cheeseheads are out. 
uh, on the cheese head. I want you to look so far, man. We got Colorado, Utah, Australia, yeah, Wisconsin, and we're coming back west on the last one here. That's Where right. Where that at, Luis? And this is home of the Jim Bridger Station, which is the largest coal-fired electric power generation facility in the United States. Our next stop listening city is frequently referred to as Almond Stage Station, or simply Rock Point, and was originally built to accommodate stagecoach travelers. Located in southwest Wyoming, it sounds like just the place to be these days. In 2000, it had the whooping population. The whoop. the, wait, 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 wait. Whooping. Wait. We don't want him to take a whooping, man. Whopping. The whopping. Whopping. The whopping yeah. population of three folk. Language limitation. Number three. Oh, really say that again because we didn't understand you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> how Since big was the population in 2000? Three. Whooping, what? Man. No, three. I Three. Are you sure about that? Three folks. Three folks. Oh, my God. Since then, it has had a population boom. And as of the last census, it ballooned to 141. Oh, my whopping God. Whopping 141. Wow. <laughs> and this, yeah. is, this is Point I, of Rocks, Wyoming. See y'all? Point of Rocks. See y'all? He puts them, them, little, them little, you know. Uh, yeah. I, and then he was like, well, the order hasn't changed. Well, guess what? <laughs> the order changed. <laughs> and there is a reason for it. Well, you know, versus I, whopping. I, I figured. It's, it's kind of like my first uh, English I, I, lesson in the U.S. when I was trying to learn how to say the beach. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. go. I don't even pronounce that yeah, word. In Venezuela, we had many how beautiful cheap beaches that were uh, close to my house, and you could go there with your oh, friends. No. I see uh, all the yeah. time. I'm going to the lake or the pool. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All I want to know is, man, when I go to I, I, this, where was where was this place when I started teaching? Man, I could have taught in Point of Rocks. Yeah. Could, There's no doubt. We we'd have had Point the whole class and all three folks of them. All three folks of them. Yeah, way Good cool, man. Hey. Let's get with it, man. Let's. Uh, I, I'm glad that uh, we're getting into this right away because, guys, this is going to be awesome, man. Uh, the whole goal of tonight's show is to talk about our best hunting moments for each of us that have really made us the elk hunters that we are. And 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 what I mean by that is 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 has helped us develop into our thought process, what we do when we're out there, how we think about things when we're out there, how we react to things when we're out there. And uh, for each of us, because when you look at this group, man, how diverse is this group? You know, I mean, you know, Chav and I going on 40 years out there. Gilbert, you've been in there since, gosh, man, I think it's about 12 years of elk hunting. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got Manano and Luis. I mean, Luis, you going on six years with us now, right? I think we're hitting in six years. Yeah, five. Five, oh, I think we have five under our belt heading into our sixth year, right? So Probably. Uh, four. And Manano four. So, I mean, there's all different levels of of 
edumacation here and yeah, there. Yeah, and then you got a bunch of intelligent people, and you have Manano as well. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like pretty super diverse. <laughs> so, <laughs> with all of this happening Moving in the right background, I, I think you guys know exactly what we go through, man. What we're out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can kind of so, get a glimpse of what elk camps like. Uh, Seven this days. Is a, I think this is a great topic, Joe, and uh, I have a several uh memories to share i'm gonna i'm gonna start with the first one that i believe so we're gonna be talking about aha moments right yeah yeah and uh one of them uh it was a long day of walking as my as my dear beto said it was a hike (laughs) <laughs> was, uh, how, how did he say it? How, how did he say that? That's a hike. Hey guys, that's a hike. It's uphill both ways. Yeah, <laughs> there and back. <laughs> Wherever you go, it's a hike. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So uh, it was a long day. Uh, we were uh, up. Uh, I mean, we we got up at three o'clock and we walked a lot uh that day uh in in our way out uh, we hear some some uh bulls coming mm-hmm. uh it was uh i believe J- joe and, and luis uh name it as a perfume park <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I know exactly. I know. What you're yeah, talking yeah. About, right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. In uh, long, long story short, I was. Uh, I don't know why, but I was the designated shooter, uh, and I and I got behind a jack pine, small jack pine, and uh, it was an open open field, <clears throat> kind of a I don't know hundred yard, fifty yard, an open field. <clears throat> And uh, all of a sudden, I saw uh, a little rack coming down. I mean, it was 15, 20 yards when I initially saw it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as he kept coming, I drew, but I was behind a pine. Mm -hmm. And I had like, I don't know, like four or five. And standing up. Standing up. Mm -hmm. And, And that's my point where I'm going right now. And I had like three or four uh, little branches uh, in my way. And guess what? He was at five yards. Five. Because we measured it. <laughs> and I, and I, I was in full draw. And, and, and I tried to, to get in my knees. But I honestly, I, I, back then I... I have no practice shooting my knees, and I said, "Okay, if I made uh, if I make a a marginal shot, I'm gonna regret it the, my whole life." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 now and, and and I couldn't get a well. Okay, a so instead of the excuses, what was the aha moment? Well, uh, the aha moment was afterward when <laughs> when Joe came and said. What in the world? You have a nail to five yards, and and you didn't shoot. And I said, okay, okay, this is gonna be an aha moment for me, and in, in, in my in my learning curve. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm I'm trying to go Absolutely. there. Absolutely, that's my that's one of my that was one of my uh, special moment that I that I that afterwards I realized that 
I was really rookie yeah. in uh sure in in in, in, in Joe, Joe told me, hey Manano, he, he's a coach. Yeah. <laughs> from the from the minute you, you met Joe, it you're gonna realize he's he's a coach. And he took me by in my bag and I was really upset and, and he goes like, Hey, uh, you have a great opportunity. You should you should have gotten your knees and and you have a clear path right here and, and when as I got into my in my knees I mean, it was like a like a tunnel, a perfect tunnel. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I said, okay, yo, I'm so sorry. I was really, uh, you know, uh, uh, emotional. Yeah. And uh, but when when I got back to the camp, uh, I start thinking about it, and I said, okay, this is gonna be, this is gonna make you, make me a mark in my chest, but I would never. Uh, will do the same again. Uh, and this is kind of a, one of my biggest aha moment uh, as far as my learning process uh, because it marked me. So yeah. I, I uh, want to fast forward now. And, and this, is, this is the proof of the pudding. Okay, yeah. so we take that. And what was so funny was Manano even – it's funny how your perspective is on things because even after we got done, when we talked about this, you know, Manano was like, well, he was 15 yards away. And we we're like, no, dude, he was like five yards away. Five and, yards And he didn't away. believe it till we got back in the same park the next year and stepped it off exactly yeah. where he was and, at. And, 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 and I was going there yeah. because I, two years later, <laughs> we, we went there. And we measured, yeah. yeah. And and you said, hey, it was just five years, five yards away. Yeah. And I was no, it was fifteen yards away. No, and I was go, with y'all when y'all measured it. And, yeah, and and then we start arguing back and forth, back and forth. And then he pulled up the the cell phone. Yeah, and, I had and the, he I had the and video. He got the video, <laughs> and he go, hey, look at the video. I, look at the branch. It was freaking five yards away. Funny, yeah. I watched that video today. I've been looking through our all of our videos and i watched that video today but um yeah one of the things one of the things that manano is prefacing it so well and we want to get out to the listeners is number one you don't want to have an object in front of you you want that behind you and you want to be from your knees if you can get to your knees in in the timber a lot of times you'll be able to thread something under those limbs and they won't if, if you keep them so, behind you you ain't got to worry about what's yeah, going on. it was like a clear clear tunnel yeah. under the the, yeah. the pine so i want I, right what, I, the, what i want to do though gilbert is 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 that's what i do and most of the time i do that because of the situation of where the branches are because right. of the areas mm-hmm. we're in most of the time those jack pines they start growing that four foot up there yeah. and it's yeah. clear underneath but there's yeah. going to be a lot of guys in situations in different places where they that might be different right they gotta be stood up because all their growth is down <laughs> move in the bottom. aside Right. Or there's situations where, you know, like when you killed your bull last year, Gilbert standing up, you know, you wouldn't have the same angle. 
Yeah, that's one of the only times I've shot a bull standing up, Joe. So I would say the key is is to make sure that you are in the position with the clearest shooting lanes right. and, and to put yourself in that best position. And you don't <clears throat> want to be behind stuff that limits your shooting lanes, and you don't want to be where you're going to have branches crossing or on the ground have brush in the way. It just right. depends on you've got to really look at where you're at, assess where you're at, because I want to fast forward. That was that was Manano that was three years ago I want to fast forward now to this year and when these people see his kill this year you won't even see Manano and he is down on the ground in his knee on his knees and hmm. I mean you know I take Behind a big rock Manano I keep looking at it dude that bull has to be 10 12 yards away from yeah I think you're 15 yeah it was it was 15 yards away I, but, but it, it was a big Big body bull. That's why, I mean, it was a big yeah. body bull. But and, what the point is, is the lessons learned from that moment. I mean, you carried that oh, forward into a yeah, – yeah. and, and the way you moved into position, how you aggressively moved up into position was huge because that was not the Manano I knew two years ago. That you were, a, yeah. you were an elk hunter, an aggressive elk hunter, making intelligent – um, decisions and putting yourself in position. Whoa, whoa, you're pushing it now. With the, uh, <laughs> 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 He's being honest, please. Yeah. No, no, but I, you know what? I want to. I want to chime in there because uh, not only all that is absolutely true because I, I I was there on both locations, but also um, it, it, it. The cool thing about the three of us being together during those moments is because we're able to kind of learn from each other. Mm -hmm. So. That also served me as a teaching moment as well. So sure. we're both picking up from each other's learning process. Yeah, that's which huge. Which is pretty cool. Big time. Yeah, and, and, and one of the point, uh, one of the reason I brought up this point was the, <clears throat> that uh, I was blind, uh, so focused on the animal, and I, I, I didn't see my. I didn't uh, lay out the the the, the possible. Uh, yeah, the possibilities uh, of the shooting lanes where he could be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And yeah. I realized about the branches yeah. after the yeah. bull sure. came in. Sure. And and that's a that's a point that I will never, uh, or at least I'm gonna try that never in my life happen again. So yeah. here we have an aha moment of one of the youngest in the group, and let's let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum, Chav. What about you, man? I mean, what was what was one of your aha moments? Okay, well, I was trying to think back, and God, there's been tons of them, but I want to give uh, two examples, uh, one that happened a long, long time ago and one that just happened recently because every time you get out there, you learn something. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing uh, when I first started hunting with, with Joe is, you know, we'd hear a bugle that just sounded so bad. You knew it was a hunter that was just, you know, in his first – time ever attempting to bugle and uh we'd we'd go towards it anyway just to see you know who we'd run into maybe it's a friend of ours from the area and it turned out it was an elk and uh there's a lot of times that joe and i would split up and hunt different areas and i would hear what i thought was a very distinct joe Gillia bugle <laughs> and i and i say oh i better go the opposite way because i don't want to mess up his his setup and it turns out joe wasn't even there it was <laughs> an actual elk so and i know somebody just mentioned that in a story lately 
if you hear a bugle, investigate because you never know. And generally, it's going to be an L. Yeah. So that was the one of the the aha moment from the past. Hmm. And then one recently is you know uh, Joe was showing me a video of this ultimate predator decoy, and I said, ah, that that I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> it had animals running right up to the decoy and stuff. And I said, hmm, well maybe it'll work, but I I just can't see it working. And Gilbert, Joe, and I were caught out in the wide open by by three bull elk, small bull elk, and they just looked at that decoy and came right in. And uh, I think story. Joe missed the first shot, and they stayed in the area. So <laughs> it was like, back. okay, I'm a believer. I'm not a skeptic no more. <laughs> so that's something that I learned, uh, you know, just recently that, you know, those uh, decoys do work, you know. Yeah, that's huge. And I mean, it's all about selling it. I mean, because we had, we've had, uh, <laughs> you, you're going to see on video where me and Gilbert, ha we get caught out in the open, we pop open the decoy, but Gilbert's off my shoulder and I'm kind of walking with it. And there was a little bit of, I mean, we still had that bull still with Gilbert no, no. off my shoulder, all of this mass behind the decoy between the two of us, because I ain't a small boy. Mm. And, uh, you know, I got, I'm on behind the decoy sticking out kind of on each side. Gilbert's on my shoulder <laughs> trying to videotape. We're having a conversation. You shoot it. I don't have the shot. You know, we're, yeah, we're talking. We're talking. Yeah, about he's, he's telling me. Yeah. You take this. I'm like, dude, I'm videoing. I'm <laughs> like, you got the thing on your bow, man. Get you, you shoot him. And he's like, no, you shoot him. I'm like, how am I going to video if I shoot him, Joe? And the bulls are all standing there looking at us like a calf looking at a new that, gate. The bulls at 45 yards still came into 45 yards yeah. and yeah. Uh, was was like, yeah, I mean, he would start to go. I'd cow call. He'd go, what the heck? And he'd turn, turn broadside. And, you know, the hard thing about it was, and this is what I'm going to tell you about one of those decoys, is if you end up holding it up in front of you long enough, it gets your arm so tired doing that that <laughs> – your shot process gets a little weird, man. So, yeah. uh, not a little. It can, it can go away because your arms are so fatigued you can't pull back. And that was one reason, man. I was like, man, I can't pull back and do this. I mean, it just, it, and, and I'm, man, I'm pretty strong. But, man, yeah. I, you also have to realize when things aren't right and you got to yeah. make those calls. And with that brush between that and, and the way I was going, I was like, well, I'll just cover your shot, Gilbert. And Gilbert's like, I can't shoot, so you know. Oh God, I can't. I don't even have my bow ready. I got my my video camera out, man. I I think they're a huge asset. But the other thing yeah. I'm going to tell you guys about decoys is, decoys are only as good as their accessibility. So you have to find a way to be able to have them so that. Uh, you're able to get them out. You're able to deploy them fairly quickly, and you're trying to and and you got to play with that deployment because I mean I tell you what you pop a decoy up just like that. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it can it's, send them in another county. Yeah. <laughs> so we we've, we've that's an aha moment, right? Yeah. Had a few decoy. So so the and decoy, you don't want the sun at you. <laughs> in front of you either because yeah. standing up there with a decoy and your shadow in front of it whoo, ah, ah. yeah so there's been some aha moments man yeah, for sure. what about you brother luis all right brother i got a few um and you got uh ton of ton of it of I mean. course i do 
Um, Every, everything's an aha moment, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so no, uh, one of one of the first ones is very similar to um, what Manana went through. Uh, it was that first shot opportunity I had the first time I went elk hunting with you guys, and you, you know, we had a small window in which that bull went through the behind us and you, you pull me by the backpack and put me in position through where we just had a window and stopped the bull right on that window mm-hmm. um so i was kind of froze right i mean that this bull came from behind us you were calling and we didn't realize and we had one come in silent from behind and um and he kind of started slowly walking away and i was just kind of standing there not sure what to do and i remember you pulling me by the backpack and just moving me in position to where there was a shooting window through the brushes and um, that's where I, I took the shot. So it, uh, again, for me, it's just like understanding the animal as far as what they see, what they care about, what they, what spooks them and whatnot. That was kind of one of those, okay, maybe I have a bit more of um, flexibility than I think I do with these animals. Flexibility in what way? In, in the uh, forgiveness as far as movement, yeah that you could be a bit more aggressive and still may be able to get away with it and also get an opportunity which if you don't move then you won't get an opportunity absolutely and that's yeah. and that's the one thing i want i i want to define that aha moment in, yeah. in that there are times that if if you're complacent we only get so many opportunities yeah. and sometimes an opportunity all falls into place itself and there are times that an opportunity is close to lining up, but unless you do something additional, you're not going to have the opportunity. So you've got to make a move or it's opportunity lost. And again, I want to fast forward from that first time that you and I ever hunted together. And I literally, guys, I mean, he's frozen <laughs> and that bull's over. He's in a position where he's not going to have a shot. And I know he's not going to have a shot. So I literally grab him by the <laughs> backpack and pull him over in front of me and put him in position and go, there it is, there it is, you know. And now I want to, again, fast forward some years after, and I believe this is the year before last. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's two years ago. And you have a bull coming into you, and it just happened the way he came. You ended up with a, an aspen tree probably eight feet in front of you, blocking mm-hmm. your shot, and yeah. you do – you realize the situation you step out to the side at full draw and 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 close the deal man it was a total learning curve process where i saw the growth man i mean it was just so cool to see that yeah Yeah, it was and the other the other thing is you know lucky enough to have the off-season experiences hunting down here Mm -hmm. that have given us archery learning moments right aha moments one of them was uh hunting from the tree stand i shot over a couple deer in public land and uh i called beto and i was like man beto what's what's going on you know i mean i know my and and i learned at that moment that you know if you don't bend at the waist when you're shooting downhill or uphill um your your anchor point changes and i tested this at home you know and uh i was like man so it's just amazing how not bending properly uh can completely change your anchor point and you'll shoot over 
over stuff uh, if you're shooting downhill. So that was a big, big aha moment for so me, especially because we I want do you it so to much. Do for me right now is I want you to get into a shooting, a, a shooting form right now, just sitting there right now. Get in your shooting form just like that. Okay, so you have an animal in front of you. Now, what you were doing before is that animal was downhill and you dropped your bow arm, right? Mm -hmm. As you drop your bow arm, you change everything. Yep. You change everything that happens there because a lot of times that, that T is gone. Yeah. Yeah, everything, everything is off that. And because most of the time, all of this backside, your elbow and it, well, now you're bending at the waist. Yeah, but if you sit yeah. back up, sit back up, and I want you to keep your head locked in, keep that back elbow locked in, and I want you to drop that bow arm only. Drop that bow. Now look. Mm -hmm. Look how it changes everything, right? And mm -hmm. it's not going to be that extreme that he that he drops that. You know, yeah, usually it's to be six, a little bit of an angle, five. but now you have changed <laughs> everything. Yeah. Everything. I mean, point. the the way you look, your eye looks through mm -hmm. that peep changes. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it, it yeah. And it, I, again, that but you was bend a big at the waist, me. everything stays, stays in perfect that's form. That's right. Yeah. And that's what you need to try form. to do is just kind of exactly. keep, keep that, that line, you know, 90 degrees with your torso. Absolutely. Yes. And so, um, yeah, huge moment. <laughs> I right tell there. everybody that's in a tree, that's in his tree stand, I draw straight out. And then I go down to the animal and I bend at the waist, right? And you you go down after you anchor pose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he bends at the waist and he lets his yeah. waist put him on. If not you watch my arm. son draw, if you watch him draw, he draws straight back. He'll get to the anchor and then he goes to the animal. Right. And, you know, and what he's talking about is, is, you know, when we're when he goes from Texas to the mountains, now we're going up and down with shots. So yeah. we might not be in a tree stand, but we're shooting <laughs> elevations still... up and down. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the last thing for me has is just it, becoming a believer in the and with wind. Um, I, you know, I, I always thought it's like, man, there's no way. I mean, you That's know, there's no way they Joe. can smell us and so on and so forth. But yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, hunting behind you. It's, uh, <laughs> gotta be careful there. Hey, that's, uh, that's, that's where, <laughs> hey, now this is where you should learn to be the leader and not the follower. Yeah. 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 It, no, it was my fault, honestly. <laughs> I, I made paella the day before. Hey, I, all I'm going to tell everybody is wait for the video. It's coming out. You can see what I'm talking about. So, yeah, but I mean, honestly, um, for, you know, for the, those of you non-believers out there, I'm, I'm sure there still are. I was an unbeliever uh, in that wind has is one of the main factors that you have to keep into consideration in order to be successful. It is. I mean, I, I you know, several and, and, you know, some people may be stubborn like me and until they actually realize the situation and have that happen to them over and over it's uh you, you yeah. you're able to tell i was in public oh. land one day and uh i was actually with a friend of mine and i saw the i saw the pigs coming in and i felt the wind going in that direction and i'm like hmm i turned around and told my friends like let's see if the wind hitting them um actually may make them go away we're not moving we're static these mm. pigs are coming all of a sudden man it like, just like it was wall. It was like the, somebody hit him like in the, in the face, face with a crappy mop. mop. Yeah. <laughs> and they just turned around and it went running like there's no tomorrow. It, 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 they started running almost as if it was 
if I had taken a shot at them. Yeah. And so, and I didn't, we didn't move. So it just, it, it, it makes a difference guys. You can, you yeah. can see it on an elk. You can see an elk when they're coming in and when you start seeing them checking, they're going to, they're going to check. And sometimes <laughs> they're like, they're just not sure. And they're checking and you'll know now if you see them, if they start doing this, and, and you, if you mm-hmm. see this licking on YouTube, their, licking you'll see this on YouTube. Too. If they start licking their nose and they start doing this little head bob, they're mm-hmm. checking. But if you see them do the head bob and then it goes up, yeah, <laughs> kings you are done. Yeah, yeah, they they they've caught that scent line, and oh. and you they're out of there, man. And what yeah. they'll do is they'll get that nose up and they'll turn right with it, man. I mm-hmm. mean, and and they're out of there. So. Once they sent yeah, you, the man, same. they're <laughs> yeah, it's it's over with. So it's, it's you, over. you can you can have a plan to hunt the next day, but it'll be dictated by the wind. Sure. Yeah. Now, if you if you have a crosswind, but but uh, I'll tell you, there are times that we want to do something where the wind's not right coming out of camp, and and what we have learned to do is is to walk with the wind directly at our back knowing that nothing's going to be in front of us but right. we as we move we can still your turn sides and uh, yeah. we can get to the area we want to and then we can turn and come back through either higher or lower over the next ridge or something like that open when you do the wind doesn't change on you yeah, yeah. Happens. <laughs> it happens there are those aha days that it seems like yeah. right chap like no matter what, yep, the wind blowers there. It's it's like no matter what, we're walking with the wind at our back. It's like the craziest phenomenon. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah those, I mean, we got I we got plenty, right? But those are the three main ones I thought that I could share today. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, guys, I'll, I'll go next. Um, the aha moments are countless for me. Uh, you know, I've been hunting all my life since I was a young man, like my son and bow hunting many days in the field. And, uh, I was totally humbled when I came to the West and went on a real live elk. I mean, you know, Carl, I, I started hunting with Carl Gamage with custom hunting services there. And Carl was just an unbelievable, uh, outfitter. Uh, no nonsense. We're going to take you through, going to give you the grand tour the first day. And, uh, look, I, I thought he was literally trying to kill me. I knew he was a drill sergeant out of the army. And I'm like, this old son of a gun is trying to kill my fat butt, you know? Um, uh, and he learned real quick that I wasn't going to be able to do what he needed me to do. Right. So the first big aha moment for me was, <clears throat> I got to hunt with Carl and RC and several of the other guides, but man, I sure liked the way Joe went after things. And I'm like, man, I told Carl, I said, man, I'm going to have to, I, I, I got to go hunt with Joe. He hunts kind of like my style when I'm deer hunting. I mean, you know, I'm aggressive and stuff. I, I want to hunt with Joe. He looked at me and he laughed. That's all he did. He walked outside. He's thinking to himself, that fat song, gonna really, I promise you, man. Hey, you know, at the time I weighed 335 pounds, right? I mean, I was big and, uh, <laughs> 
so I talked to Joe several times. Joe, Joe had an aha moment, and he's like, I don't know if I want this big fat son going to hunt with me or not. But <laughs> Come he, on, challenged, <laughs> he challenged me, and he said, listen, you lose the weight, I'll take you hunting, but you got to do the work. So I did the work, and, uh, you know, it, it took me a year to shed about 60 pounds. Uh, yeah, it was about 60 because I came in about 275, 280. It was a big change big huge change and so i could i could i could take one break going up the chute instead of 10 breaks (laughs) joe having to drag my butt up the chute so i would just look guys the chute is a real steep area that that uh kind of trail i used to get from one elevation to another yeah Yeah, real and look when look when we first started hunting with carl you didn't have no motorized vehicles it was walking straight out of camp and when you hit the first the first ridge it's like that okay i mean straight up little tabletop to a road another one another one oh yeah you're at the top uh-uh it's straight up from there another thousand feet right and uh so look joe they love doing it and joe was the best guy. He was in great shape man so i got my button i mean look round is a shape people so uh i i got my butt a little bit less round and uh got up there with joe and uh, he put me on bull after bull after bull after bull and i you know a couple of years of him putting me on bulls and me passing bulls, he finally got cornered me up and we had an aha moment. He goes, look, dude, you got to quit passing these bulls up, man. I, I can drag these things in front of you and you draw and count coup and everything. That's great. But you got to quit passing them up. I said, Joe, it's my money. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not shooting any bull. I'm shooting the bull. So call me in a big one, Joe. <laughs> so we had some, you know, I, I, I even shot a couple of bulls that were, that were marginal hits. They found one of them one time. They, the next year, we didn't find one of them. But I learned some incredible uh, tracking skills, and I learned some incredible, incredible elk behavior getting inside of a herd of elk. Make a long story short. Joe, the I think it was the second or third year I hunted with you. You uh, you called a big bull in for me, and I made a really good shot. But it was still uh, it was a killing shot. But I got one lung in the liver, and I did, the bull was quartering to me a little bit. So <clears throat> we ended up finding him the next day. That was a long, long, lengthy. I, it, it, it seemed night. like that night was going to go forever. I mean, I'd wake up 10 times and it'd be like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I'm like, oh, my God, I needed to get to 7 here quick, right? So <clears throat> we get up and we find the bull, and it is amazing jubilation. Uh, we had some help, and uh, the guys, that, if they're listening to this podcast, they know who they are. Uh, couldn't have done it without them. Uh, it was an amazing moment. Got to share with my brothers. I got to share it with the great, late, great Carl Gamage. R.C. Knox uh, was there. Joe Gillia, Ross Miller, um, Scott Deaton. Uh, I mean, there were just a lot of good guys in camp. Bruce Gaynor, uh, a lot of good guys in camp that week that were personal, real close friends of mine. So to have those guys with me was especially uh important but the aha moment came when i decided to take my daughter elk hunting and 
I, I, like I said, I knocked that bull down. It took us a little while to find him, took him, you know, and I'm like, I need to study the anatomy of these bulls better. You know, I need to get better at understanding shot placement and how to put these animals down quick. Real good at it with deer, right? So I take my daughter elk hunting, and she shoots a bull with her crossbow at third at 41 yards. When she hit this bull, she hit him back and about three inches high of center. And when I say back, it was nine inches behind the crease, maybe 10, okay? And when she hit that bull, Blood flew out of him like you'd hit a oil well back there. Boom. I mean, it just shot out of him in the video. He made one circle about 15, 18 yards and was feet up in less than 15 seconds. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> this is where you need to shoot these bulls from now on, right? And, uh, you know, I came back and I told Joe about it and everything. And the next year, I killed a bull with Chav, and I hit that bull the same spot. And I've been shooting bulls in that same vicinity for the last six, seven years. And I'm telling you, what what that bull last this year, Joe? 30, this year? Yeah. 30 year, seconds? 13 seconds, maybe? You the, know? The year and, before? Uh, about six to 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now, when I tell you, when I, I tell you about the aha moment, that was an aha moment for me. You know, and what what I tell people is, is you want to, you know, I hate to tell somebody, you know, ten inches behind that crease. I know. You know? Yeah, and so I I'm I'm like three to four inches behind that crease because that way, and I'm not sure about angle all the time, but it is what it is. But yeah. when you're when you're three to four inches behind that crease, you're giving yourself three to four inches on each side. You know what well, I mean? So when you look at, when you look at the anatomy and the diagram mm -hmm. of it in the high part of the lung, there's a ganglia of, of, uh, big, uh, arteries that sure. gang up in that lung. And when you hit that and it's about a, a five inch circle, six inch circle in there, when you hit that spot in there, Gone. it's King's X it's over with. They can, it's almost paralyzing to them. Right. They fill up with blood and boom, they're done, right? <clears throat> I aimed for that same spot. I had a bull quartering to me quite a bit this year. Mm -hmm. I aimed for that same spot, touched it off, and it was actually a little forward than where I thought it was going to be. And it was money. And that bull was feet up and, you know, like Joe said, 15, 18 seconds. Oh, same thing. My, my bull must have died in 10 seconds, man. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't go 30 yards <clears throat> and, and he was feet up. But that's that's what you just said, though was my key point that I'm making because you said, you know, I hit it a little bit forward of what I thought and you were still on the money. And that that's why, you know, I think for most guys in that moment, and we're talking about uh, our grinders out there, most guys, they, especially if they're white tail oriented, they're always looking at that shoulder, shoulder. right? And the, the problem with that is you go three inches to the front oh. end of that animal now you're hitting a, a shoulder you're hitting a shoulder mm -hmm. bone so i i you know i really like that three to four inches behind that crease as mm -hmm. you know you go up and you go back a little bit now you're giving yourself some leeway oh, yeah. if that animal's quartering you don't quite know it um mm -hmm. because that can happen real easy just on how their head's turning right you bet so, or their angle 
Yeah, know? but man, you get that spot back there. There's a lot of lung back there that most people don't realize, right? Yeah, like I said, and, man, Lacey hit at least nine inches back. Oh, yeah. It was all lung. I mean, yep. big bubbles of blood. I mean, big frothy bubbles coming yep. out. I'm like, man, there's a lot of room back there, you know? Absolutely, uh, man. So I, that's why I tell you, like Joe people. said, you know, if you're three inches from the crease, you got three inches to the crease, and then you got three, four, five inches past the crease back there. That's a perfect spot, like Joe's saying, that three inches behind the crease. I, 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 I you know, I, I'll say I like three that. to six inches behind yeah. there, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's uh, and, then, and depending on angles, right? Right. And for me, I, I like to be a little bit high center. Uh, if I can get center, that's perfect. I made a 58 yard or yeah, 58 yard shot with uh, Chav and it was center punched, but it was back. It was a good six, eight inches behind the crease, mm -hmm. but center punched. And uh, that bull didn't, he didn't run 35 yards no. and died. No, you know? he, he, he was, he was <laughs> dead I, before he thought about it. Yeah. yeah. So those are aha moments for me is not about just, getting on the bulls and stuff. I mean, that's unbelievable. The stuff that you got to do to get your body ready for, for that. And when you are ready, when you are physically ready, you're mentally ready. And then you learn the anatomy. And I tell guys all the time, if y'all don't understand the anatomy of elk, or you think you know it, y'all go back and watch our anatomy podcast. It's yeah, the absolutely. best podcast in the world for that. I got one other aha moment, Joe. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And it was, for me, 
understanding that uh, when you're shooting downhill, okay, mm-hmm. when you're shooting steep angles, you don't have to use pins to do that. Okay. Um, I learned easy. And now look, I want everybody to practice this when they go out. But a lot of times we got to shoot straight down the mountain or, you know, straight up the mountain. Mm-hmm. I actually did this. I shot at a, a big mule deer uh, one time with Carl Gamage, and he told me it was 31 yards. It was straight down the hill. I used my 30-yard pin. I shot over – I slapped that arrow across top of his back. And, I mean, man, 31 yards, brother? I ain't missing no deer. I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm going to center punch him every time. And I said, man, that deer must have dropped down and crossed. Oh, you just shot high. You missed, you know. I'm like, I did not miss. So I went down there. Sure enough, had hair and a little bit of blood, not much. Just slapped him across the top of the back. So I got back to camp, failure moment. I'm like, man, I got to eliminate that. So I didn't even pick my rangefinder up. I just went down there and I put it down there 40 yards. 40 yards downhill hill with my rangefinder after I shot it. I shot it with my 40-yard pin. I missed the whole dang block. Mm-hmm. Shot Both clean them. over it. I'm like, what is up with what is up with that? So I shot it with my 30-yard pin and I barely stuck the arrow in the top of the block. I'm like, man, I grabbed my 20-yard pin. I mean money. Right in the 10 ring, right? I'm like, goodness, right? This, fast forward this year, shooting down the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. I'm 57 yards. I used my 40-yard pin. Really gapped it with my 30 and 40, sent it, and it was money, you know, mm-hmm. because I knew that I've been I've been through that before. But it's that aha moment of me having to go through that. You guys need to practice that shot when you're shooting in the mountains, right, and especially one, out west. One thing that's going to tell you that, Gilbert, that uh, that – People can only do by practicing that. And it's hard. It's hard to duplicate it unless you've got the areas to do it. And what's cool is Luis, I I saw a video of Luis shooting in in one of his places that he goes to shoot 3D targets. And they had an upper level that he was able to shoot from so that he could mimic some of that stuff. But We do that together at at Texas Archery. Yeah, it's awesome, man. But the thing is, is you've got to realize how much of that waist bend you're doing. And that's going to do a lot of key for you. I mean, if you really feel yourself pinching on that waist, that tells you or maybe now I'm in my 20 pin at that. You know, if if you're not pinching all the way down, then maybe I'm. you've got to do that stuff. To You've got to feel it. You've got to have something to gauge it by, you know. That's a um, good. That's a good reference, Joe. I like that actually. You yeah, know, it, it's just it's just depending on how how much you're feeling your back incline and use that as a reference. Yeah. It, like exactly. That. Either way, like if I'm having to go up, you, you're going to get a pinch in your waist that's going mm-hmm. to tell you how extreme you are. If you're not feeling that and it's just a slight, then you're not going as far down as what you think you are, right? right. When when you're bending down, so those things just Feel it and, and, you know, when you're taking those shots, really observe what your body's doing so that you can carry that into the woods. Because other than the way you feel, you're not going to know because the mountains are different from a tree stand in that you... You, right. you, yeah, you might feel like you're on flat land sometimes and you're not, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. Um, for, for me, my aha moments have to do with me as a caller and with me um, probably 
uh, mentally as a person in some in some ways, I guess is the best way to, to put it. I think as a caller, I've had two really huge, huge aha moments, and both times I'm with Chav, one time we have a small raghorn in front of us, and that small raghorn probably when we have him in front, I mean, we're, we're out in the type of area where there's junipers and everything else is kind of clear around there and some grass and stuff, and so we have a clear sight of this animal we have some stuff around us so that we're good if he's coming in have some trees off to the right some some aspen and stuff but mm. clear view of this bull at 80, 80 yards and he's ripping out a tree with his with his horns and so me having to always be the person to call things in <laughs> you know i look at this bull and i'm like here man i'm gonna i'm gonna get him to come in but you know we all think when we see a smaller bull. Now, when I say he's a satellite, he's he's bigger than most raghorns. He's a nice, nice, uh, nice bull. But I'm, in my mind, I'm going, well, I don't want to scare him off with an aggressive bugle. So I'm just going to throw out a little, you know, uh, juvenile bull, man. We have other names for it. Uh, but uh, I'm just going to throw that out there and sound like a weak bull. And, and I do that. He would lift his head and he'd go back to the tree. I'd do it again. He'd lift his head, and he'd go back to the tree. I'm getting frustrated. There's a point where I'm going, Chad, I'm going to friggin' just stand up and walk in and go shoot this son of a buck, which I probably should have done in the first place because he was so preoccupied, right? So I, I got caught up in, in wanting to call. Uh, so here's the interesting thing. I said, you know, I'm going to try one more thing. I turned back behind me, and I screamed like the gnarliest, biggest, herd bull that you would ever hear man that bull hears that and gave me the exact opposite reaction of what i thought he would do he turned and he's coming and he comes right in and yes he, he so another aha moment is he actually comes he's going by behind two aspen trees at 30 yards and so the first thing in my mind is well i'm gonna draw so he doesn't see me and i'm gonna draw back when his head gets behind the tree well i do that and everybody that's listened to us now um knows exactly what happened i draw when his head goes behind he's as i'm finishing my draw he comes on the other side he catches the movement he stops broadside staring at me for i don't know it seemed like three daggone months before he decided to take another step and and i was able to finish him right vitals behind a tree (laughs) i mean i was man i was at full draw forever till he finally relaxed and took a step to where i could take him so you know I'm going to that lesson with the behind the trees you never draw until they're in the clear cuz they're going to stop. Now, the other aha moment was and I want you to hear this people calling is why did that bull not come to a lesser bull that he wasn't worried about and came to a loud sounding herd bull? Well, I'm going to tell you why. That lesser bull meant nothing. Meant nothing. You know, if you're in a bachelor mood, if he's in that pow mode, well, yeah, he might go over there. He went in that pow mode. He's in there raking that tree. He's feeling his oats a little bit. So he don't want to go over there with a bull that don't mean nothing. He heard that mature, aggressive bull down there and the type of bugle it was with that lip ball sound down there and that message. What is that message? That message is that's a herd bull displaying for what? Cows right? Yep. Now he's interested. 
because now he knows he has a herd with cows. And he's not interested in going and getting his butt kicked, but he's interested in going and dragging on that herd to see if he can go ahead and have him an opportunity out of cow. Remember, herd bulls um, are not able to breed a cow but one time in that amount of time, and other yeah. bulls are going to have the opportunity. And that's what those satellite bulls are waiting for. So that's what I want you to understand is not always is sounding like a smaller bull just because you don't want to scare something off. You can sound as equal to, or when I was sounding like that herd bull, I wasn't challenging with him. I was doing a display bugle to make it sound like I was working with some ladies. I had nothing to do with him over there. I wasn't even talking to him. It was like I was ignoring him, and yet it yeah. brought him in. That was a huge aha moment that I hope you guys understand with that, all right? Uh, because... What they're hearing and how they're going to react to that. Now, if I had a turned and I screamed a challenge bugle right at him, it probably would have lost everything right there. And and I'll tell you, um, the the other aha moment happened when uh, Chab and a buddy and myself we were going uh, to an area. We always used to put our I put my bow on the front of my ATV, um, just hook it into you know those little bow clamps that would be mm-hmm. on the front of an ATV. Well. Uh, what happens is as we're going, it's muddy. I get some mud inside one of my cam grooves, and I always break my bow over before I go into the woods. And I go to do that, and that mud inside that cam groove blew my bow up. It rolled that cable right off. It cut me on the arm. I mean, it just, my bow became pieces right there. And um, that was a lesson in that we never travel without our bows being in a bow case. But that wasn't, that was just a catalyst for the lesson I learned because after we got done that day, we got back to camp and uh, I told the guys, I said, I'm, you know, I'm heading home, man. I'm going to go get my, my second bow. And, uh, you know, about that time, I don't know, I had probably killed about uh, 20 bulls in the last 20 years and I had never made a, a, a big deal out of it. But guys that I hunted with kept track of that stuff and, um, would always talk about Joe's streak and everything, you know, almost to the point where it probably got in my head a little bit at some times, you know, yeah. put a little pressure on me, but that's okay. I, I put enough pressure on myself. And, but I got home and when I got home, I came in the front door. My wife is just, you know, what are you doing home? You're supposed to be up in the mountains. You know, it took a long time to get out of those Hills and get back home. And I get home that evening and, uh, I said, well, babe, uh, I said, my bow blew up, and, you know, I'm going to have to go get my my other bow set up, go out and shoot it and everything like that, and, uh, you know, and and the first thing I did, and I hope you guys un- listen to this, man, was I gave myself an excuse. I started giving myself a justification. I started feeling a self-fulfilling prophecy because the first thing I said to my wife to take all this that pressure I've been feeling was I said you know I I guess there's going to be a year I don't get one I mean that's exactly what I told her I guess it's going to be the year I don't get one you know Uh, my bow just busted and I've got all these excuses trying to get another bow ready and blah 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 and everything like that and uh, (laughs) you know my aha moment came from my wife and she don't cut me <laughs> no slack let me tell you and the good ones never do 
And she looked at me. I, here I am. I'm six foot, you know, 220 pounds. And my wife's like five foot two and a quarter, five foot two and a quarter that she always reminds me of. She's about 105 pounds soaking wet. She looks up at me and she says, you know, she said, uh, I, I never thought it was about the equipment. I thought it was about the hunter behind the equipment. I mean, you talk about getting in, the, hitting the face with a crappy mop, right? Oh, she drove that dagger down, down deep, and I mean, she called my bluff right there, you know. Yeah. And uh, and she was exactly right, you know. She said that I, it rocked me. Yeah. I took a step back and 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 I, I got hit with my own medicine, and uh, you know, we have those times. We have we have those times of weakness and and it's just like us as a group. Sometimes it takes somebody else picking you up. You know what? I went outside the next morning. I was out there the next morning. I got that bow. I'm instinctive. I went, I checked my knocking point in a court. I don't need a whole lot, man. Uh, I went out there, shot it, shot it. I put about 100 arrows in the air that, that day before I took off again, made sure everything was shooting, just got my feel back and everything like that. I got back to camp that evening, and uh, the guys were back at camp. Went out the next morning. You know, after we've been hunting, I don't know how many days, Chad, we had been hunting up there. I, I can't remember, man, but it had been quite a bit. Went out the next morning after all of that and killed my bull that morning. That's awesome. Second-hand bow uh, and, you know, just doing what I do. And yeah. Forgetting all that other stuff and being, it's not about the equipment. You know, it's not about the gear. It is about us. It's about our abilities. And so I, I think that is a huge aha moment that all of us keep trying to pass on to all you guys out there yeah. is that, you know, there is no secret piece of equipment that's going to make you um, consistent every year. You are what's going to make you consistent every year. Your yeah. knowledge, your abilities, your skill set. So uh, that was a, a huge one there. So well, it, it is about the equipment. Uh, when 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 Luis got the new bow, and I have to, I never have the new bow. It is of course about the equipment. Oh man! Yeah, he wouldn't have got it if it wasn't for the bow, right? Oh yeah. man! I wish you would have caught that on video. That would have been epic, man. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Some things are not meant to be videoed because I thought I, I was videoing yeah. it. Yeah, that was uh, classic. That was pretty classic. Yeah. But you know, uh, so let's put it back a little bit. And when you when we say it's not about the equipment, you have to know your equipment. You have to be yeah. proficient with your yeah. equipment. Yeah, you, you know, that's all part of it. But you know, it is the tool. It no, no. is just yeah. a tool. Right. Mm -hmm. You are the master behind the tool. I mean, I can give people a hammer and tell them to go build a house. And if they don't have a clue what they're doing, that, that house ain't going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's going to look like. It doesn't matter if it's the best hammer in the world. It doesn't matter. Right. It can be the highest price hammer in the world, man. But you got to uh, know what to do with it. You got to know what to do with the hammer. Right. All right. So let's let's talk about special personal elk hunting mm -hmm. moments. Oh, man, Joe, I got so many, brother. <laughs> but uh, we but only we don't have a twelve-hour show. <laughs> I'll go. I'll just go real quick. Okay? okay, the very first one, very first elk I saw with you guys. Um, the first morning we went out. Uh, actually, yeah, first morning we went out uh, walking out of camp. 
you guys didn't get to see this elk, but I did get to see it. And that was like priceless for me. It got me hooked when I saw that elk coming. I was like, wow, I didn't think they were that big. Um, so then the first elk I, I ever called in and uh, you Joe took me out uh, uh, later in the afternoon uh, to a park and we sat down and you kind of walked me through the process of calling and we, you know, started making sounds with the diaphragm because that's what it was back then and probably still is <laughs> a little bit, but uh, man, we started getting responses and we actually got some elk to come in and that was like, I was in cloud nine that day. I just couldn't believe that you know, it could be done, you know, (laughs) so, and then, um, uh, obviously the other great moment was when I actually called in the elk, uh, for, for Brandon and Manano. Uh, so being able to call that elk in a couple of times, uh, for those guys was like, it felt so, so, uh, rewarding. Uh, and and it's such a huge accomplishment, right? Because that, that to me is like the ultimate goal is to be able to, to call in uh, an elk for I- either one of you guys and you guys be able to harvest that elk. So, what does that do for your mentality as a caller? It gives you, it, yeah, it validates your efforts of, of practicing and uh, it gives you, uh, uh, you feel more comfortable doing it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, you know you can <laughs> Yeah, you believe yeah, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, because I mean, at the beginning when I was out in the woods and I would try to kind of throw out a little cow call, it's it's I felt embarrassed to even do it. Like <laughs> it's as if people was were actually listening to me. I could hear Beto saying, "Oh my God, that sounds like a freaking cat." You <laughs> sound like Brandon <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 man. Whoa, whoa, no, come on, put that away. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it just it gives you confidence and makes you feel better. It's like, well, I mean, you know, elk can also sound pretty bad, and you can no still doubt. call them in. So it's absolutely, uh, man, uh, absolutely. that worked. And then, um, and then uh, being with uh, Manano when he uh, killed the elk, not this last season, this last hunt, but the one prior to when we were all set up in a triangle and that bull was coming in and he, he shot it. And, uh, I got to see the whole thing, the arrow flying. And, uh, and that was the first time I was with Manano watching him kill a bull. So, uh, that was epic, uh, for me. And then lastly, obviously my first elk, uh, harvested with both of you guys, which where I wish, which I feel you 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 did you did Amazingly. and it was a camera a star yeah but Triple yeah a. instead of improving though you've kind of degraded with the years but that's okay you started off good though you started off really good um, <laughs> so, but yeah those those are those moments in 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 that one moment when I was super emotional. Uh, when I harvested that elk, extremely emotional. It was just like uh, just so many things going through my head. And, uh, the only thing I wish that I would have had, you know, to make it even more perfect than what it was is 
for Chav and, and, and Gilbert to be there uh, with me as well because they, they all, you all have, we're part of my journey. So. Dude, oh, you wanted like bleachers set up, huh? You yeah, like, man. Yeah. You know? no, I just, yeah, I just wanted cool. to share that moment with them, you know, especially with Gilbert had been with me on every single elk hunt I've ever been, you know, yeah. and, and the one thing Be is dog. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, he was there, so. Nobody yeah, more you, proud you, than me, brother. I promise you. Yeah, all he had was me and Manano, man. You know, so. Was, <laughs> oh man, I just, no, don't. Yeah, come on. I'll give That's you not head, what I man. meant. I got you. We were jumping in. Yeah. Oh, falls. Yeah. Gosh, me and Manano so cool. were hugging each other. We were happy. No, no look, so look, I'm gonna tell you right now. The video that was shot after the bull died. The video that was shot during the hunt and during the kill was amazing. But the video that came after that is of epic proportion. And I don't know. Outstanding. I, mean, I do not know that you could find something more genuine and real that's out there today. I see a lot of hunting videos. Yeah, there's there's no camera camera guy. Yeah. Camera there's, no cut. there's no cut. There's no refilming that scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's straight up jubilation to well, the was. bone. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Camera A started really good, especially with a kill shot. Uh, immediately after when I got emotional, I started talking. Camera A started turning to camera C and D and started filming other stuff and talking while we were getting emotional. He was just Joe was, <laughs> was like, Manano, film here. We're here. I don't care about you. I was, I was selfish. We're having a conversation. I was being selfish. We're having a conversation. He sees another elk, man. There goes the camera. It's over. It's like, just okay, to see, we, the, we, just we, to see the cool admiration of for each other and the oh, love that it they was have. A, it was an awesome yeah, moment, man. I, it really was. I would say that was one of my best moments. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, You, yeah. Gilbert? Man, there's a lot of moments there, Joe. I've been so (laughs) blessed to have you guys in my life for the last 12 seasons. I would be remiss to say that if I didn't mention this guy as a special, you know, a special elk hunting moment. Um, The late Carl Gamage was such a staple in my life. He was a close personal friend, um, almost like a second dad. And I mean, I, my relationship with him was so special and, uh, it started out me just being a client, you know, and, um, I, uh, I remember the first time that, you know, I'd already killed a bull or I, I'd wounded one and they found him a couple of days later and I've been hunting with him maybe about three years. I had a group of hunters coming in on a, on a, uh, a muzzleloader hunt and they were clients of mine and he something happened and a guy couldn't cook so he had to have ross cook and he goes he just walked in the bedroom to me and he goes big old and i said yeah what's up he goes gonna put you a junior guide i'm like what i'm like you gotta be crazy carl i said junior guide yeah, you've been making good sounds with that cow call. Just keep doing that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, right? So just to have the confidence, he would have never sent me out there if he didn't know I could do it, right? And uh, just to send me out there with these guys, and, I mean, it was one of the worst days in the world to call 45-mile-an-hour wind gusts, man, and freezing cold temperatures. And uh, that morning, we killed 
five bulls that morning in with six guys. So all five, there were five bulls hit the ground that morning. My customer that was with me, a really good dude named Jeremy Christofferson. He, uh, he was just, you know, stoked to be in elk country and it was wind was blowing. We really didn't feel like we were going to see anything, but we had the wind in our face, man. And we got in the middle of this little spot and man, I, I took my cow call out and cow called first rip and didn't hear anything. We just kept moving forward about 200 yards and I stopped and I mean, I thought I heard a bugle. And I, I said, did you hear that JC? And I knew if we heard a bugle, it was going to be right on us, you know? And, uh, I said, man, I'm going to cow call. And I took my bugle tube out and I just kind of screamed a location bugle. Oh my God. It was like 400 bulls just opened up. The skies opened up with bulls <laughs> bugling, man. I mean, they just start going. Rawr, rawr, rawr. I'm like, Oh my, he looked at me and he goes, surely that's a recording. <laughs> I'm like, Heck no, that ain't a recording. So we just ease down around there, around this corner, and we pop out around these jack pines, and it is a mega herd of bulls and cows in there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, one. There's like 22 bulls in this group, right? And they're out in the middle of this meadow fighting like cats and dogs in the mud. One big black bull that's just bullying everybody around and everything. And JC decides he wants to shoot one of the, that bull. And, I mean, we've got some big six-by-sixes out there. He wants to shoot this gnarly horn, got the drop tine on him, and one, one horn coming out the middle. I mean, it was crazy looking, but he was the biggest bull in the bunch you know joe he ended up shooting that bull and we shot him five times with a 50 caliber muzzleload and he kept getting up the last time he shot him he shot him running down the hill right at us in self-defense and he shot him right in the chest and that that did him in but he took five shots of a 50 caliber muzzleloader so it taught me number one how tough and how and man, he he laid those shots like this in, in in on the in the crease, man. I mean, just from the shoulder into the crease. I mean, you could lay a butter dish over him. I mean, it's beautiful, you know. And uh, I just learned how quick that those were. And I came back on a, on the you know Carl gives the radio. I come mm-hmm. back on the radio. And I said, "Hey, man, I got a bull down." He goes, "Is he down?" I said, "Well, he's got it. He keeps picking his head up." He says. Shoot him until he don't get up. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, seriously, we put five slugs in that son of a gun because he kept getting up, Joe. So, I called Carl back. I said, we can't load the muzzle loader again, but he's finally down. He goes, well, good God Almighty, you can tell. You, you know, that ain't what he said. But he said, good God Almighty, how many times did y'all shoot him? I said, five times. He goes, I didn't know you had that many GD bullets. You know? <laughs> so, uh, he, oh. so I come back into camp and he's like, there's no doubt in my mind you could get it done. He said, uh, you know, he, he, and Carl liked to, to partake in some libation a little bit. And he'd had a little bit that evening. And he put his arm around me and he told me he loved me. That was the first time he'd ever said anything like that to me. And that meant the world to me. Uh, to have that guy's admiration and yeah, and, no, and his, you, you follow me? Have oh, absolutely, man. Love and admiration. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a beautiful moment uh, being able to hunt with one of the great men in my life. And then you know, Joe, Joe came to me after Carl passed, and he said, "Look, we got it. 
we got to do something here. We got to keep this going, you know, somehow, some way. And we found a way, didn't we, Joe? Yeah, we absolutely, man. And what, and what you guys are seeing is the way. Yeah. You know? It's the product. It's the yeah. product of it. Um, you know, the other special moment, man, was me killing my, my first bull, watching my son kill his first bull, watching my daughter kill hers. Uh, but, but for me, for me, the special, uh, the special elk hunting moments was the first time I got to meet Chav and hunt with him. Uh, I met him after my first bull kill. I met him in, was it Las Vegas? Wagon Mountain. Yeah. yeah. I met you in Wagon Mountain. You were driving the bookmobile and, uh, I met that you there and you got to see man. my bull. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, where'd you kill that bull? And I told him yada, yada. And he goes, huh, I've got some friends hunting up there. I said, really? He goes, yeah, he said, I said, who's your friend? He goes, Joe Gilly. I said, get out of here, man. I said, that's my guide. Oh, you're Gilbert. <laughs> oh, it was crazy how, how we met, right? Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, you yeah, you knew it. Chav before you knew Chav. I did, yeah. <laughs> Infamous, right? The, the the Elk Ninja, for sure. And so uh, the next year we're going to hunt, and Joe goes, listen, man, I'm going to have to guide these other guys you're bringing and stuff. He said, I'm going to put you with my brother, Chav, and uh, you guys are going to hunt, hunt together. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, you know, that's got to be a big deal because Joe's not been without Chav in a very, very long time hunting together. And I think it happened where Joe and Chav got to hunt a few days before we came yeah, in. Yeah, we and did. Stuff yes. like that. And uh, I got to go with Chav, and we went on this epic journey. And, I mean, it was crazy epic. We heard a bull a long way off, and Chad's like, well, we ain't hear nothing, nothing else, so let's go to him. We'll get there when we get there. And we get up there, and it's the first time that I called a bull in for another hunter, and it was Chad, man. Mm-hmm. I got to call a bull in for Chad. And I'm not talking about no little bull either. I'm talking about a giant. And and we then we got to see two herds collide in the middle of us yeah that and, was an uh, aha moment for chav that hunt too oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah man it, yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah. For, for for real and and we got him hooked up after that and yeah but man uh i i, I called that bull in to less than 10 yards for him yeah. and uh it was crazy and the whole time he was coaching me what to say and when to say it Right. Not because I knew exactly what I was saying, mm-hmm. but man, when I had him fired up, he'd just be like, go do that again, do that again. <laughs> man, I'd do it again. And, that, and then he'd say, step on him. You know, when that bull would, would be, I'd cut him off. And man, it was, uh, it was totally epic, man, when this bull come in and then another one come in from the bottom. Uh, I'd already killed a bull or, or <clears throat> we would have been done, you know. Uh, I mean, I, we'd have both killed out. What was and, that aha moment to that, Chab? You remember? Yeah, the my I was using a mechanical broadhead, and it opened up early, so it didn't penetrate very much. <laughs> yeah, was, not yeah. two inches. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. and then and it uh, was in that, the pocket too, babe. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was right where it needed to be. Just got no penetration. Yeah, and when you're and when you're walking straight down a mountain, the <laughs> GPS is going to read <laughs> the same distance. <laughs> For a long time. Oh, God, that's the longest 1.8 miles of my life, son. It was like, we were, yeah. I felt like I was in. We the, were up high. The top we were up high, and we, we continued continue to track that elk uh, going up the hill. And 
that was the longest hike I've ever had going downhill, and you know, with the downfalls. Ooh, for for Jeff to say that, son, I'm telling you, it was brutal. I mean, you, when Manano would like to say, when I say it was a hike, that's a mega hike, son. I mean, a mega hike. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. Something, it was something else. What about what about for you, Chav? Any personal elk hunting moments uh, are special? There's been a, a lot of them. Uh, I can remember uh, two in particular. Uh, one was uh, we were hunting uh, above the cabin where uh, Carl stays, mm-hmm. and uh, we you called an elk from about got a mile away. I could see it coming, you know. And I said, "No, nah, it's like it can't come this far," and it kept coming and coming and coming. And then it held up at about 70 yards. And I saw you draw back and I go, 70 yards? I said, that's, you know, I can hardly see it. It's, <laughs> it's way out there. And all of a sudden you release and it went, and it looked like the arrow just hung in the air. And then it went, whack, <laughs> right in the kill zone. And I remember that being just an amazing shot, I thought. But the one hunt that stands out all the time was uh, our last day hunt. You know, we loaded up our truck. Uh, we used to uh, call it Blackie. It was a yeah. 1987 Nissan. Yeah, it was an old Nissan. Four. Nissan. Yeah. yeah. So we loaded it up, and we said, "Well, we'll." Load it, it up. I think we bought it for like like fifteen hundred bucks or something. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we headed back home, and we said we're going to stop and and do one last hunt. And uh, so we hiked uh, probably about a half mile, and then we split up. And this is another aha moment for Joe, you know, where he found out that if he puts on a show, you know, he killed an elk. There was a, a large group down there, you know, unbeknownst to me, he killed an elk. And then he started to uh, just bugle and bugle and bugle and bugle just to get my attention so I could go over there and, and help him out. But what he did was he attracted a whole bunch of elk that came by and a, a spike stepped about 10 10 steps in front of me and I shot it. So when I, we finally did meet, we had both killed an elk about what, a half mile apart maybe? Yeah, probably so. But but a good half mile from the truck. So, you know, to carry all that, it took us, gosh, I don't know how many hours, but it was a mile round trip. I'm glad you, you thought know. it was a half mile because it was one mile, bud, from where we were. It was, it was a way. Still a long way, yeah. man. Yeah. And then it started it started raining on us, which kind of helped because it cooled us off a little bit. But, uh, gosh, four trips, at least four trips, you know, a piece to get, get all that meat back in the truck. But it was like a, a last-second hunt again. And I think that aha moment with Joe was, you know, he figured out, you know, put on a show sometimes when nothing's happening and uh, the elk will, uh, will open up. Yeah. That, that's not the first of, time that happened, huh? We've had that uh, happen yeah. before, you know, and uh, I, I think for myself, um, yeah, I, I've had the privilege of um, being able to be in the front row seat of seeing every one of you guys take your first animal and uh i think for me that has been more fulfilling than any animal that i've taken myself and i've had some incredible hunts and but but you know i think the thing is with myself is i'm in such a mode that 
most of the time my emotions and everything I, I i just get into into a a rhythm into a structure and 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 everything kind of takes over you know mm-hmm. when when i'm hunting and even after after the kill i'm thinking about what i got to do to process i mean my mind's always working to get that animal out and stuff like that and you know a lot of times uh and i think as i've gotten older i've gotten way better at at stopping and smelling the roses and enjoying the moment but it's a curse know, and a blessing because mm-hmm. It's a curse because, you know, you're always kind of thinking ahead and probably right. don't get to enjoy the exact same mode. But at the same time, <laughs> it's a blessing because it makes you way more prepared. Yeah. Like, I, I would interrupt. <laughs> and I, I, I just think there's, you know, a lot of that now is just kind of auto mode for me. And mm-hmm. But when, when I get to see other people and I get to see, you know, what it does for them. I mean, when I saw Gilbert, when he killed his first bull, and I mean, he was like a doggone kid waiting on Santa Claus all night long. And I thought he was going to cry on my shoulder all night long. And he was just, he was just worried, worried. And then when he saw that bull that next morning and we saw it dead on the ground, I, you know, that was 275 pounds that I saw go about three feet in the air, jump off the ground. And, <laughs> and I mean, he was crying and hugging everybody. I mean, it was really special. I mean, you saw his genuineness and that's why we hunt and you know i got to see that i you know i was with chav and it always meant more for me when chav got something because Mm -hmm. i i knew how much chav is so unselfish and you know i'm just the type of person that hey man you better do it or get out of the way because i I get focused and i get in the red zone and (laughs) and man next thing i know i'm i'm letting an arrow fly you know and and so you know he's always been that great support system and he's always been like man get it done and he's been my biggest cheerleader so you know when when i would see him do it you know that was real special for me and and yeah it was hard it was hard you know for us not to be together but i knew chad would give gilbert a great experience and it's a great yin and yang on on you too and uh and then to be with these other guys and to see them i mean because of the you know, everybody gets to hear all this razz that happens with, with Luisa Manano, but these guys genuinely care about each other and love each other. And, and I tell you, man, there is no more happiness when they see the other one succeed, you know. So uh, to be able to be in the front row seat of that, what are you going to say, Gilbert? What it's short-lived, say? though, buddy, because I'm waiting to eat 10 <laughs> seconds, and they wearing each other out, man. Like, you, they it's like, out of, it's you, out of pure like when they hug, they hug, okay, that's enough of that. You're sorry, you son of a bitch. Compare, compare, you know, like, oh, man, here we go, you know. Yeah, too, so, too much touch. Too much touch. Yeah. Yeah. Too much touch. Off me. And, you know, I've got, I've got to see that on several occasions. I've got to see it, you know, Luis with Manano and then Manano with Luis, you know, back and forth and that. And 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 I say that because I think probably one of the – and for me, I told you, I've always been in a mode. And um, this year really was the year that uh, I, I, wanted, I wanted to take a bull because I was hunting for two. You know, I, I wanted to have meat at home for me and Chav, and I, and I told Chav that I was gonna, you know, do that for him. I'll go get one for both of us. I'm hunting for two, and and there was a point, you know, and at the same time, you know, I uh, I'm so 
focused on getting things for everybody else, getting it done, that sometimes I realize I'm just not going to be in the position to make it happen, you know, and uh, uh, because I'm I'm putting myself out of position, which is great, which is fine. I, I enjoy that. So I had kind of consigned myself to not even worrying about not thinking it was going to happen. And, man, you know, it's funny. Good things happen for whatever reason, and I've always had these gifts that have come to me in my life. I had, I've had you guys come into my life. I've had Carl come into my life, Chav in my life. I've had, you know, RC come into my life. I've had my wife who's been my, my, my angel in my life, you know. So, you know, good things happen. I don't know why they've happened in my life, but in this hunt, uh, after already consigning myself, it was interesting how we ended up split and then next thing I know I'm chasing a herd of elk and I got Luis on my shoulder and I did not realize you know I, I mean I got in that zone again and I did what I do and uh, and then I went up to this animal and I did not realize um, how important it was for me uh, I felt so much emotion coming out because I wanted to do that for Chav, and yeah. and I didn't have him with me on this hunt, and it hurt not to have him with me on the hunt, and uh, and it was all of that tied into that, and and it was so friggin' special to be there that there there were things that you don't realize that start bubbling up out of you before you even know it, and yeah. and that's how that moment was. I mean, it really, it literally, it took me. It took me some time. It took me some breathing, and it took me, you know, just to let myself let it let it out. And that was probably one of the most special moments uh, uh, ever, me personally, as a hunter. And and I don't know that it had to do with my kill. It had to do with that was his kill. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and it it was actually. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain unless you're there because, uh, you know, I, I got it done for you, bro. So uh, that was pretty daggum cool. It so, was real. Um, it was super cool, man. We'd had that conversation, you know, the day before, Joe, that if we got into something and you needed to bail off, that you know, we, we knew what was going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. We split two herds. That's crazy how it we, happened. It, it was like we manifested it. We spoke mm -hmm. it into existence. It was, it was really cool. I knew what was going on. Uh, and look, when Joe gets in that mode, it's best just to let him roll because you're not going to be able to keep up. I was about to die anyway. I was glad. Bye, Joe. See ya. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. Call me when you need a bat and haul something out. Uh, and, uh, uh, I mean, look, it, we knew what was going on. I, and I told him, guys, we, we got back to camp, me, Manano, and Brendan, and uh, we and Luis, we got back – or no, Luis was with Joe. We got back to camp. I said, listen, man. I know Joe, he ain't going back to where we parked because it's six miles the other direction. I said, uh, we, we just drop off into camp, and that's where he'll come. And when he comes walking into camp, he's got bloody hands. I'm like, oh, yeah, we get to go we get to go get another bull out, man. That's, that was so cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Manano, please close out. Please close out this segment. No, I have so many good memories uh, uh, or a special moment. One of them, and and I, and I'm with Joe when he says that he finds more fulfillment out of the, anybody else hunting than his hunting, because I'm the same way. Uh, I, 
And it shows. One of them, <laughs> yeah, one of them was when uh, when <clears throat> I was hunting with them without any tag. And I saw for the very first time in my life uh, uh, an elk coming to us. Uh, and I was I was in the back. I was the last one. <laughs> and uh, and I go like, yeah. And I go, <laughs> hey, there's an elk. There's an elk. And you go, where? Over there. <laughs> it's coming towards us. And... Uh, Long story short, uh, Joe killed that elk in a in a matter of seconds. Yeah. But be- before that, he he just turned his his cap, and I realized, yeah, he's gonna kill that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because I, I shoot and, and, I shoot instinctive and put my fingers on my nose, so I can't have a broad bill in front of me, or it it hits my string. So. Before I, when I see an animal and and it's getting ready to happen, I always turn my hat back. Yeah, but it's turned. cool because it's kind of like your signature. We know when an animal is in trouble when that hat is getting turned. <laughs> yeah, out. so yeah. it's pretty and, cool. Uh, and, and after that, Louis said, "There is some. There is a bear. Bear is coming. We were uh-huh. the same right spot where Joe took the shot. And and so these guys don't have elk tags, but they did have uh-huh. bear tags. Yeah, and yeah. And uh, and and I don't know I don't know in what moment Joe uh, Luis took a shot on the on the on the bear. It was a marginal shot, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, the, the, I got, I got proof. Hand. I just I just got proof that it wasn't. Okay, but, and, you know, and so good. Joe said, "Okay, let's let's uh, Manano get your bow because I got my bow on my backpack." Because I didn't have any tag. Yeah, a, a bow hunter with a bow strapped in his pack in well, his backpack, not ready to hunt. That's very no, prepared of you. Thank God I was there to take a shot on that bear for no, you, no, so no. you could take for, a second one at we, it. We, you know what? We were we were elk hunting, yeah. so uh, I didn't have any tag. So I got my my bow and my tied on my backpack. I was already so, dead. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So Joe said, Manano, get your bow ready. And as he mentioned it, I just got ready my bow. And that I cow drew- called and stopped him. Yeah. He he, he turned around. Him. He yeah. started coming towards us slowly. Yeah. You see, yeah. it was a marginal shot. No, he was about to die in front of us and you pushed him away. No, he was about to kill us. Oh. <laughs> He was going to disembowel everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I sent a missile and he was done. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Talk about a marginal a... shot. You even took his part of no, his no, eye no. out. <laughs> they, that was a great shot. They ended mofo. up crisscrossing this this uh, this bear. Um, Both kill shots. It was, sure. it was a quartering away for Luis from one side and it was a quartering away for Manano from the other side. And, and uh mm-hmm. And yeah. that bear that never had, had a chance. Man. Never had a and, chance. And honestly, cool. uh, that was one of the uh, most uh, special moments, best moment or representing moment in my life mm. as a hunter, because I actually I, I believe I got it in on video. Joe said I got I don't know how many. Uh, years guiding and hunting, never and I have it. never seen in my entire life. <laughs> no. 
or never hear another hunter talking about shooting an elk and a bear and a bear in the same spot from within, the same spot within ten spot. minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So, so the the bear was actually New coming into slam, the New Mexico slam. The New Mexico slams an elk, bear, and a turkey, or elk, bear, and a deer all in the same spot. Yeah. That's something, guys. Yeah, that'd be a tough one in the same spot. Yeah, that'd be tough. (laughs) (laughs) In the same hunt. Yeah, the same uh, hunt, But but other than that, uh, and, 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 I mean, this is no joke, every single moment I got out, I, that's my best moment. I mean, it's a hunting, it's, for me, it's, yeah, it's about fulfilling my tag, but uh, it's just, I I don't know if you remember if you remember Joe uh, the very first time when we got to the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I I got emotional, man. I that's that was a beautiful moment for me because uh, it was my first time there, and and yeah, that spot is a spot. It really gets to you. Yeah, you get to call your wife and stuff like that at that spot too. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But it was the first time. It was after I realized I got service over there. But, but, but talking about good moments for Trying me, to help you okay, out. I got a bunch of them. Even even Venezuela, I got a bunch of great moments. But every time I go out around people, among people like you guys, it's a great yeah, memory. For I agree. Me. So, so that takes us right into the good times, man. Because, and, and you guys just throw them in as we go here. Because I'm going to start it off. Because they just mentioned it. I mean, we're on that daggum hunt. Oh, I have just, I have just shot. <laughs> I've just shot a bull, and I, you know, you know what I'm saying. We're not done yet. We're waiting for the bull to go down. It hasn't gone very far, and and Luis was, Joe, you hit that bull right here, and Manano's like, no, he didn't. He hit it right there, and they're like massive <laughs> arguing right here in the middle of the woods, and I'm like, guys, guys, man, oh, it's like it's like tending to to two guys in the <laughs> playground sometimes, man. It's just hilarious, but look. I, I I mean, there's been a lot. I mean, that's you know, that's why we like what we do because of the fun and crazy times we have at camp and different places. But there was one moment that I have, other than the soles of your shoes coming off, Gilbert. Which oh my gosh, dude! Crazy. But, but when we are in the middle of the woods, and I hear, I hear this conversation going on between you and Brandon and I heard something like a ampon and I'm like I could have sworn I heard them just talking about it you know a feminine hygiene thing you know and and I'm like we can say it Joe we thought you thought we were talking about a tampon (laughs) and then all of a sudden I I hear I hear them you know talking about a man pond and Gilbert proceeds to tell me about about and and I'm like I'm in disbelief. <laughs> That's hard to do, people. <laughs> Get around. <laughs> and, he, and there are five grown men crying, and I mean we're in the middle of an elk hunt. We are crying, rolling on the ground, and and Gilbert is just as serious as can be. <laughs> <laughs> the things like, you learn on MTV, Joe. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah. my god dude you are like one of the funniest human beings i have ever been around i mean and when he starts doing you know telling his stories and he starts imitating the bulls and like, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's just uh Oh my like god. to get animated, man. Heck, ain't no use in telling some boring ass story, Joe. Oh man. You got, to, it, got to get with it and it embellish a little bit and stuff like that. It makes it a little more interesting. Well, you guys never heard the, you know, uh <laughs> you know, I and this wasn't even an antelope I mean an elk hunt. This was an antelope hunt and I'm and Chav comes back to me. <laughs> <laughs> and and Chav tells me he's like, Yeah, man, I saw this antelope out there and he was out in the middle of the prairie you know and and a lot of times these antelope will let you walk right by them they'll see you walking they'll just stand out there right because you're walking by them and chow kind of realized that so he said yeah he said uh so i turned my hat sideways on my head <laughs> and start, started walking a little bit at an angle and he went from like a hundred yards to 80 yards to seven he's telling me this story how he's got his hat turned and he's walking towards this antelope because this antelope thinks that he's walking away because the way his hat is turned and, and i'm just rolling i'm like dude why don't you just turn your hat around backwards and go straight at him <laughs> oh, but some of the stuff that uh that that we've done and and, and that uh that we've experienced out there are just just crazy man and it's just uh, too much, you know. So, no. <laughs> anybody no, else no. before we get out of here? Yeah, I um, to me it was the day that it, it all happened that same day. It was uh, one. It was so cool for me to be able to go hunt with all of us together. Um, and that morning was just going up that hill. It was just laugh after laugh, and then <laughs> and then. Uh, you know, asking Gilbert <laughs> to, to camouflage behind that the tree. tree. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's viral now, boy. It's, it's, on Instagram. it's on there now. It was it's so funny, man. It was just that moment. It was so hilarious. Um, uh, also, that same day I got to, and that could go as a special personal too, I got to follow Joe through his hunt that day, which was epic. It was. I told him that day that moment is going to go with me. Uh, to my grave because it was impressive to see and everything I saw that day was unbelievable. No, not a lot of people get to see what I saw that day. And then uh, lastly, um, just be careful when you're out in the woods walking behind Joe, (laughs) no matter how far back you are, you're not safe. (laughs) And even if Manano is in front of you with a big nose, there's still stuff that's going to go by. Manano, you're a bunch of babies, man. I've never seen such babies, man. Guys, the lightweights, they're lightweights. You never yeah. make it in a family yeah. of six. Yeah. That's it all gets, I'm telling you, man. Uh, I, I was, I was spitting for about, you know, uh, an hour, and I could still <laughs> taste it. That was – I ate just straight out. with his mouth open. Bunch of babies. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Anybody else? Oh, man. No, oh, no after good. that far, uh, no, nobody talks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that kind of kills the whole buzz, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Look, that, uh, for me, the, the 
we've had, I can't tell you how many great times, man. Uh, for me, the hunting with Joe and being able and, and Chav and watching Joe shoot a bull. Uh, and I've been actually been with Joe where we shot two bulls that morning. Uh, I killed a, he killed a bull and I killed a bull and, uh, being able to do that kind of cool stuff and, you know, just be around these guys and learn from them. And, uh, I mean, look, they're the coolest dudes in the world. I tell people that all the time. Um, you know, the, my favorite, uh, good times is when we get back from hunting and these guys cook the most amazing <laughs> dishes you've ever eaten in your life. Like you're supposed to lose Amen. weight on an elk hunt. Oh, I man. Yeah. Hunt, man. So we, everybody is so amped up to get back to camp because these guys are just, they're, they're so selfless. They cook for everybody, you know, and, and they do so much. And then, you know, when we knock a bull down, they're the first ones in line ready to rock and roll. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the mafia. And, and look, Brendan, too. Brendan's always one to step up and help and, and get out there as well. But the favorite times where we come back and tell stories and mm-hmm. and, and look, I got to tell you, man, you know, this is the first year it's happened, but we had a campfire and <laughs> us sitting around that campfire and telling our story <laughs> and having a podcast up there on the mountain was totally epic, man. And that's one of, you know, my favorite good times was sitting around that thing and, Telling about the the you know having Chav there freezing his oh yeah and and having Chav with us you know <laughs> I mean there was a point in time you know last year where that was questionable we didn't know we were going to get him up there with us absolutely and to have him in camp with us man was just icing the coup de gras icing on the cake whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, but for me it was badass that's what it was so yeah. uh, I tell people stuff like that all the time and these guys are the baddest men on the planet and as long as I can afford it, and I, my two feet will take me. I will, uh, I will be on that mountain hunting elk. I, I, you know, this past year was very. I struggled because I had an injury, but we didn't let that be a reason that I was not going to be able to harvest an elk. We pushed through it, went that next ridge over, and uh, everything that Joe taught me, everything that. Uh, all that culminated into about 15 seconds worth of craziness. And again, everything that I learned was to be aggressive, even in the midst of chaos. I, you know, I got down there, I put myself in position, the bull did what we needed to do. I drew the bow, let it go. And the rest was history. Manano caught, caught most of it on video. It was just cool, man. So favorite good times. Every time I wake up in the mountains, my favorite good time, man. So, and to be with you guys and share elk camp with the mafia and the ninja and <laughs> WWJGD, I mean, at the end of the day, this, who, what else could be better than that, huh? Who will buy my memories? That's an old Willie Nelson song. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Chab, you want final mm-hmm. word, man? Well, um, like, like Gilbert said, just being out there with you guys, pretty amazing. You know, when I was at the hospital bed, I, I wondered if I'd ever be able to get out to the mountains again and even though it was only one day, it was real special. Uh, you know, I even got to hear uh, some bugles that night and saw some elk, and it was pretty amazing. You know, you don't know what you miss until it's taken away, and it was almost taken away, so to speak. So, uh, you know, I had a lot of adventures, and like uh, Manano said, anytime you step out there in the woods, special moment. You know, don't take it for granted. 
Amen. Amen. Gilmer, Amen. why don't you close this out, man? We're, we'll have to save our mailbox for next time. Well, again, fellas, you know, one of the reasons why we do this is to, you know, help guys understand the aha moments that have really helped us. And then just to give back to our, you know, the elk hunting community with our, our stories and all of the mafia showing up and Chav. I mean, these are all really cool things near and dear to us. But, you know, guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You have to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And always a reminder, if you guys, our listeners, would like their question answered on our show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. We won't run long every time, I promise. (laughs) We will get get to your questions. Fellas, unbelievable content tonight. Can't wait. Next episode is number 100. 100. 100. Can't can't wait for that. Can't wait to have our special guests in the house. Uh, Like we say down here in Texas, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. See you guys. See you guys. Peace, peace. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.